I'm Sierra Reed Langston, and this is the HIPAA Critical Podcast. What does the future hold for healthcare? In five years? 10? How will patients experience care, and how will clinicians deliver it? And what role will security and IT operations play in keeping critical functions online and secure? Today, the Internet of Things, IoT, is improving access to quality care and reducing costs by tracking equipment, patients, and staff, plus much more. We've just begun to scratch the surface. The possibilities are endless. The Internet of Things is transforming healthcare from telemedicine to augmented reality to AI. All systems, network, mobility, collaboration, security etiquette need to connect and work together. Have you ever wondered how to mitigate the vulnerabilities that stem from IoT? Well, in this episode, that is what you will find out. We're going to give you key points for building or maintaining your overall cybersecurity strategy, as well as provide examples of how IoT is a real and growing force in healthcare. Today, we are very lucky to have Kurt Hagerman, Principal Cloud Security Advisor at Oracle, to discuss these topics in greater detail. Kurt was previously Chief Information Security Officer at Armor Defense, Inc., formerly Fire Hosting, which provides threat detection and response services. In addition to his work at Armor and Oracle, he has spoken and presented at security industry events and trade shows in the U.S. and internationally, RSA, High Trust, HIMSS, to name a few. Hi, Kurt. Can you provide some background on Oracle? Really, who you guys are, where you are located, and who you all serve? I think that would be a really good starting point. Yeah, sure, Sierra. Well, uh, Oracle is a decades. It's about a forty-some-year-old company that was uh, founded as a database company, and I think most most folks in the industry uh, recognize the Oracle name for the Oracle database. Um, Oracle has since expanded its products to a number of uh, application space. Uh, so they have a human capital management. Uh, they've you know they've made several acquisitions, so they're providing a lot of enterprise uh, front office and back office uh, applications as well. And most recently, they entered the public cloud space through Oracle Cloud Infrastructure. Uh, about three years ago uh, was the relaunch of Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, where we provide IaaS and PaaS services uh, to customers all over the world. Um, you know, Oracle is a global company. We operate um, out of you know multiple con- countries. Right. Um, there was a recent article that the Corporate office is uh, relocating from Redwood Shores, California to Austin, Texas. Mm. Um, so, you know, what we're really doing now with Oracle Cloud is, is Oracle is moving all, a lot of its applications and SaaS applications are being served up from the Oracle, Oracle Cloud infrastructure. And we're making lots of inroads with uh, our enterprise customer base as well as others uh, in providing public cloud infrastructure services. Okay, great. Thanks so much for that overview. And I know from my research that you created your first strategic cybersecurity programs from scratch. Do you mind telling our audience a little bit more about these programs and what they entailed? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, creating a cybersecurity program from scratch is a, is a kind of a big, big uh, task. But really what you got to do is break it down and, and kind of keep it simple. You know, the high points really are know what you're protecting and where it is. So in other words, you need to understand what data uh, the company, the organization is uh, considers sensitive, uh, and and you know so that that's what you're needing to protect. And then you really need to know where it is. A lot of organizations suffer from data sprawl, and so you have to have a good handle on where all that sensitive data lives, 
and, and where it is because you can't protect it if you don't know where it is. True. So once you have a handle on that, then I think the next step is to really understand and catalog the risks that your organization faces based on how it effectively handles, collects, processes, and stores this data. So everybody does things slightly differently. They have different kinds of applications. They have different um, ways that they that they work internally. So you can look at a common set of risks like the OWASP top 10 when, you, when you're talking about applications. But what you really need to do is understand all the risks that are out there in the context of your organization and how you're working with the data that you have. So you know, once you have those risks understood, then you can start understanding about how do I now mitigate those risks? What security controls do I need to put in place? Most people start with a framework like ISO uh, 27001, or they'll start with NIST 853. Um, depending upon you know what industry you're in, you may have banking and financial services uh, regulatory requirements, healthcare requirements like HIPAA, payment card requirements. So you have to understand what your regulatory environment is in terms of what kinds of controls are required. But then you really need to work on filling, you know, taking all of those things that you have to do uh, and making sure that they fit within this risk, you know, that they're actually mitigating risks mm -hmm. and, 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 and you build it from there. And really what you've got to do is get the basics right. Uh, and I think this is, uh, I think you've got a, a next question that I'll talk a little bit more about this, but mm -hmm. you really need to understand how to segment and isolate that sensitive data. Mm. very well. You need to have very strong access controls. And that goes from the governance side for how you grant access to things to the actual technical side where you actually enforce access control. Encryption is another basic thing. I mean, anymore, encryption of data is a pretty easy thing to do, but you need to have good encryption for that sensitive data. So in the event that some of the other controls you have fail, if people get the data, they're not necessarily getting anything that they can use. Mm, yes, yes. And then also... Yeah, and then also have a strong vulnerability management program. I mean, those are kind of the four basic building blocks that I think are are really important. And unfortunately, a lot of companies don't focus on the basics enough. They figure they've got them already nailed, and, and mm -hmm. a lot of times that's where the uh, that's where the problems are. And then really, it's a matter of addressing your most significant risks first. So once you understand the risks and what are the most significant ones, prioritize your risks and put controls in place to to uh, reduce the most risk you can um, right away. Okay, great. And then, you know, yeah. Well, I appreciate you um, outlining that for our audience. That was extremely informative. And for the next question, I know you touched on a little bit of items, but if you could, if you could continue. So the question is, one of your recent presentations was titled, Healthcare's Losing Battle Against the Hyper-Connected Machines. Can you give us a summary and just key learnings from this presentation? Yeah, so I did this, uh, I co-presented this with a, with a colleague uh, a little while back. And really, IoT is a real and growing force in healthcare, right? Uh, the, everything in a, in a healthcare setting is now connected. You know, it used to be that, that there was very little uh, connectivity inside of a hospital or a, a healthcare setting. All the uh, devices until, you know, a few years ago were mostly analog. So everything is now connected from things like... Um, Supply cards, which you wouldn't even think are connected, they are connected to the network and they have things, uh, they use NFC technology to keep track of inventory for supplies that they are using, all the way up to the most sensitive equipment used in the OR and in intensive care units, along with medical imaging. 
So you've got all these devices that are now connected. Very few of them were ever designed to be connected, or when they were connected, it was a bolt-on, and security wasn't really an important thing. And so they just, all these, all these connected devices that have varying levels of security that can be enabled represent additional threat vectors into the healthcare, uh, into a healthcare environment. So, you know, it's, it, and it kind of took them by surprise, right? Healthcare right. is about patient outcomes. They're not about technology. And all this technology came and got put in place. And uh, I think they've, uh, they got caught a little bit surprise, uh, behind. And, you know, they're behind things like financial or the industries like financial services in terms of their maturity, but they are catching up quickly. And I think the key for healthcare folks is, is understanding and containing the risks as best you can um, from these IoT devices and, and migrating, you know, while you are, can afford to migrate to more secure devices as your budget allows. I had a, a buddy who was the CISO of a, of a healthcare, of a hospital chain, and uh, he came in, in and realized that he had a list that he could never accomplish all at once. And so he would prioritize the list and one of the things, uh, and, and knock off two or three major items a year. And the other thing he did is he researched and built a list of approved devices. So mm. as old things like ultrasounds and other sort of uh, devices became end of life or no longer needed, when they were replaced, they had to be replaced with a, a device that he could protect. Oh, yeah. And, I... and over the last, and over the last, he made a lot of progress over five or six years. Pretty soon, he had a way more secure environment because now everything new was able to be secured, and that that allowed him to focus his efforts on how could he contain the risks for the devices that didn't have the kind of security that he needed. Mm, yeah, we hear that a lot. That um, devices, old devices, are, are you know exponentially creating a lot of risk that people don't even know about. So I'm really glad you touched on that, and I love that you used a case study example too. Um, that helped me, and I'm sure it will help our listeners. And additionally, you spoke at Pavok Secure, which is our conference in October. It was this last October, and your topic was shiny object syndrome, ensuring your security puzzle is complete. For the folks that were not able to attend our conference, do you mind providing a summary and key learnings from that talk? Sure. Yeah, uh, what I call shiny object syndrome is really where security teams are are buying the shiniest, the, the latest new security toy. Hmm. Um, and there has become kind of a, a, uncon- a bit of an uncontrolled uh, phenomenon. And what happens is you know, we, get, we hear about all these new threats and all these new risks out there. And the security market itself is quick to try to fill those holes. So they develop tools designed to plug the latest holes and, and address the latest risks. Right. Well, what ends up happening is organizations buy a whole bunch of tools, but they don't never really fully realize them and utilize them. And and part of the issue is that focusing on the basics, like I talked about before, network segmentation, access control, encryption, that's kind of boring. You can't really get, it's hard to get money as a security leader for those kind of basic building blocks. But because there's been so much focus on responsibility for cyber uh, at the boardroom now and in the executive levels, these uh, cybersecurity companies market their tools uh, and, and often overmarket their tools as being the next great solution that everybody has to have. And so a lot of the CISOs and security leaders find that it's easy to buy the new tool because they can get budget for that, but they mm. can't get budget for the other thing. Right. And so you end up with this sprawl of tools that are being poorly managed, poorly used, and then you've got the uh, the additional trouble of how do you 
correlate all the information that's kind of the data that's coming from these different disparate tools because they don't talk to each other. And how do you then make, you know, divine some, some useful information that helps you actually understand the threats that you're facing and how you can protect yourself from them. So really, I think it was kind of painting the picture that what you really need to do is try to make sure that as a security leader, that you have a plan uh, that is aligned with the risks of the organization uh, and aligned with the business of the organization and that you clearly communicate that plan to your executive management and board so that you can avoid some of these shiny object syndrome tendencies and basically be able to resist and say, well, I, yeah, this tool sounds great, but I've already got two other tools that do most of what it does and they're already in place. I don't really want that. I'd rather have this because we have this risk that we still have to plug. Mm. And so I'd, I'd rather spend the money there. So by getting the board involved and buying into your plan, then oftentimes then you can you can uh, combat this idea of having to buy the latest new toy. Okay, great. That sounds like a great strategy. And you've given us some great info today, which leads us into our next question. How do you keep up with industry trends and best practices? That's a great question. It's, it's, it's a lot of reading. You know, there's a lot of articles and blogs and, um, you know, all kinds of things out there. It's, it, it's uh you know, most of it is through that. A lot of it is through uh, conversations I have with colleagues, mm-hmm. uh, both present and past. I've stayed in contact with a lot of folks that I've worked with in the past, and we trade stories and, and get together, and, you know, we, we continue to have conversations where we share things with each other. But a lot of it is just through networking and, and that, that circle of folks that I've, uh, you know, built up over the past, as well as just reading and trying to read all the stuff I can read. Right. Thank you so much for that. And, you know, I agree with you. Collab with industry professionals is huge. And last but not least, what do you do to de-stress and relax? <laughs> well, Drink. I'm a cyclist, so I have a, nice. uh, I have a road bike and I like to ride. Uh, you know, was uh, in Texas for a long time, so I could ride 10 months out of the year. And I uh, moved recently, a couple of years ago, moved back up to the Seattle area, so I don't mm. get as much in uh, and so I, I end up riding inside too on a on a trainer, but probably bicycling and and uh, walking and playing with my dog uh, are the two biggest things that I do to to relax. I like normally that. I read a lot. Yeah, normally I read a lot because I, I have a lot of travel and a lot of airplane time. But uh, that's been uh, cut short in 2020, so I uh, focused more on the bicycling and my dog. Oh, for sure. We have the same, um, same activities, my dogs and, and cycling as well. And I, I do live in Texas, so it is flat here and I can um, cycle 10 months out of the year. So um, I, re- I agree with you. That is a good outlet. Yeah. yeah. I, I, was, I was an athlete most of my life and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of battered, battered with my body a little bit. So cycling is the best thing left for me to do. Kurt, thank you again for your time today. And listeners, thank you for joining the Hypocritical Podcast. Some exciting news. We have set a date for our next virtual event, so mark your calendars. Pawbox Springs Summit 2021, Secure Communication for Testing and Vaccination in a Pandemic, will take place virtually on April 6th. We are actively looking for event speakers and sponsors. If you have any interest, please send me an email at sierra at pawbox.com. For more info on how Pawbox can help with your email security needs, please visit pawbox.com. And as a reminder, you can listen to other podcasts at pawbox.com or subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or Amazon Music. Thanks again and see you next time.